This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's 15th of March 2021. And after a pretty decent streak of basically no community transmission anywhere in Australia, Norman, we've seen a couple of breaches where the the virus has leaked out of the borders or hotel quarantine in Queensland and in New South Wales. So let's start off in New South Wales today. Uh, It was a a hotel quarantine security worker who seems to have gotten the virus, but they actually had already received their vaccination. So what's going on there? Well, what's going on there is that the vaccines, and presumably it was the Pfizer vaccine that this person had, take a while to work. So they take two or three weeks to get to even the first dose. You don't get to maximum immunity for that particular dose for quite a few days. Secondly, on a single dose, there's a little bit of evidence that it reduces transmission, but you probably really need the second dose to um, get that transmission risk down. And even then, the evidence isn't solid and it's not going to protect everybody. None of these vaccines are 100% at anything. They get towards 100% for severe disease, but in terms of mild to moderate, they're, you know, they're down at 90 95%, maybe 80% for Astra for the 12 weeks apart. And then the transmission risk, in other words, the chances of getting what's called asymptomatic infection, is probably even a bit lower than that. But it's all over the place at the moment in terms of the evidence. But it's very likely they do reduce transmission, but it will never be in everybody. And this was a really early, uh, like you say, this was really soon after this person had received their vaccine, only a couple of days. As the vaccinations roll out across border workers and frontline people, Could this maybe be like one of our last breaches of hotel quarantine borders, given that we're going to have much better vaccinated coverage in the next few weeks and months? Well, it depends, really. Uh, Remember that even if they are quite effective at reducing transmission, they won't be 100% effective. So you may well expect this to happen again in the future, although it will become rarer. You know, and it depends on which vaccine they use. If they use the Astra vaccine, it's quite possible that that's a bit less likely to reduce transmission than the Pfizer one. And then you've got to have the, you know, the barriers on barriers. It's only New South Wales that's immunising at this stage, as we speak, the households and families of people who work on the borders um, or hotel quarantine. So we've really, this is the main game. We've got to get to everybody that comes in contact with people from overseas and create barrier on barrier here. And in many ways, although it would be a controversial thing to say, it's a higher priority than getting into aged care. If this escapes, it's going to escape from the borders and we've really got to get layer and layer of protection there. Well, that actually brings us to a comment from M, who said of the doctor in Queensland, so we could talk about the Queensland case, why was the doctor not vaccinated? It's hard to believe that aged care residents have been vaccinated before frontline health workers. I sympathise with that. You know, it's the Commonwealth state relationship aged care is political but most people even if you've got somebody listening to us who's got somebody in aged care they'd recognize that the only risk to aged care is if it escapes from the borders admittedly as you've seen even with vaccination you can get escape but we've really just got to be very very quick about getting people fully immunized with a high performance vaccine that works within two or three weeks or three weeks i should say that's the pfizer vaccine rather than having to wait 12 weeks for the astra and just get those layers done. It does feel like it's going slowly. Like we're so we're so impatient to get vaccines rolled out. We're a few weeks into our vaccination schedule now. Are we being impatient or is it reasonable to expect that they should be rolling out faster than they are? 
Well, we haven't got the supply to meet the demand. That's the, that's the truth of it. Uh, we were late to the party to book the Pfizer vaccine. I think it wasn't until November. And we just simply don't have supply. So Pfizer's coming in slowly and steadily in small volumes. We've had a disruption from overseas with the Astra vaccine. So Pfizer's just going to trickle through the year and Novavax isn't going to click into probably mid-year, July, August, something like that. And that'll be quite an effective vaccine. So probably the right thing to do, but you know, who's, who am I to say, is you divert all your Pfizer doses to the borders and then the borders of the borders and put Astra into aged care, which would be easier to administer. And you save your Pfizer vaccine for the borders where you want a quick coverage and you know, within three weeks. Well, at least one person agrees with you, Norman. We've got Ruth writing in saying just that. Surely all Pfizer supplies should be redirected to frontline workers immediately. Yes, yes. And, and just to be clear, Astra and Pfizer work to the same extent with severe disease, although it's still an open question about whether or not Astra prevents against severe disease with the South African variant, but it kind of looks that way. But yes, we have to just get in there and do it quickly with two doses. And so then, yes, we did have this case in Queensland where it was a doctor who was effect- infected after assessing a known COVID positive patient, even though uh, it, we were told that this person was wearing correct PPE. Well, correct PPE is a question, and this may not be Queensland Health's fault. Uh, They say they were following national guidelines. And if you look at the national guidelines, yet again, they still underplay airborne spread. And therefore, it is not required under the national guidelines to wear a fitted N95 mask. Uh, Whereas in Victoria, they have changed it, as as they should after 3,500 healthcare workers were infected. But in uh, Queensland, they're still following the national guidelines and the national guidelines still emphasise droplet spread over everything else. And an N95 mask is just that, that bit better at filtering out those uh, smaller particles than a standard surgical mask. Yes. I mean, sur- surgical masks is to really protect, against, uh, you know, protect other people from you and it does protect you from others a little bit, but not as much as an N95. And here's an- another example probably of where the national guidelines are letting the states down. And so the other big story about coronavirus and vaccines that's been in the news over the past couple of days is that there are a handful of countries in Europe that have suspended the use of the AstraZeneca vaccine because people who've received the vaccine have also come forward with blood clots. Is there any evidence to suggest that the vaccine is causing blood clots or is it just perhaps a coincidence? Well, COVID-19 viral infection can cause blood clots. It can also cause the opposite, which is a shortage of um, a, a low level of platelets, thrombocytopenia, which can cause hemorrhage. So it can play around with your blood clotting system. The blood clots in COVID-19 disease are really from inflammation of the arteries. But remember, this isn't the virus we're giving people. It's a f- fragment of the virus. And theoretically, it's hard to see how it would. When you look at the rate as of the end of last week of the, um, the, the rate of blood clots, It's anywhere, depending on whose reporting you read, and it may well have changed as people listen to CoronaCast, but it was roughly between 22, either 22 out of 3 million doses, people having blood clots which spread to their lungs, pulmonary embolus, causing serious problems and one or two deaths, or 30 cases in 5 million doses. Either way, a small number of cases, really serious and bad when it happens. But when you look at the natural background rate of serious blood clotting where you get spread to the lungs, you get pulmonary embolus, it's called called thromboembolic disease. It's not any more common than the background rate. In fact, if anything, it's less common than the background rate of blood clotting 
and almost certainly a coincidence. But they've got to take it seriously, they've got to look at it. And interestingly, the Scandinavian countries are where you'd go to actually look for this because they have some of the best health records in the world of their population. And if any country knows what their natural background rate of thromboembolic disease is, it's going to be these Scandinavian countries. So they should be able to sort it out fairly quickly as to whether or not this is a coincidence with the vaccine or whether it's a real cause and effect. And it's more likely to be coincidence. And we're going to see this again and again as we roll out these new vaccines in vast numbers. People are going to be dying. And is it the vaccine or not? Well, people die. Um, is it just a coincidence. All these things are going to have to be taken absolutely seriously and run to the ground. Isn't it also true, though, that people who are elderly or who have a chronic disease are also more likely just in general to be prone to blood clots? Yeah, that's that's the highest risk group. As you're absolutely right, age is the strongest risk factor for thromboembolic disease. And if you've got other problems um, as well, which might increase your, 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 how prone you are to blood clotting. So, for example, if you've got cancer, you're very prone to blood clotting. And of course, these are the people who maybe are more likely to be in the, the first, the front of the queue for getting um, COVID-19 vaccinations. Yeah, so you're immunising people at high risk of blood clots. You're not, in, you're not necessarily in, increasing the risk of blood clots in these people. They're just going to get blood clots anyway. But I, I don't want to sound blasé about this. And th these do need to be investigated and tied down. And just quickly before we go, it's interesting, at a global level at least, it seems that people are increasingly wanting to get vaccines. There was a, a new survey that just came out via the World Economic Forum and they surveyed people uh, in countries around the world and found that they, there's a really notable increase in the number of people who want to be vaccinated compared to um, a similar group of people in December last year. Yes, and you know, people just get a taste of what life could be like in countries which have been in lockdown. And um, if you look at Israel, they're back on the streets. People are out in cafes, they're having a good time, they're having parties. And when you see that and that you can be released from this perpetual anxiety, then it's a good thing. I wonder too if it's just seeing people that you know getting the vaccine and seeing that they're fine afterwards is, is different, even though the vaccines have been rolled out in millions of people and they've been subject to really rigorous trials. Those things happen to other people. And when, it, when it's happening to the people in your network, it just makes it a little bit more real and a little bit more safe. Yeah, it's called, if you forgive me, norming. Um, and it comes from the discipline of uh, behavioural economics, is that you look around yourself and you look at your behaviour relative to other people. The classic mistake that people make with obesity is saying, oh, it's terrible, 60% of Australians are obese or overweight. Isn't that appalling? Well, if you're overweight or obese, you think, oh, that's all right, I'm just part of the crowd. Whereas if you said 40% of Australians are you know, really good shape, they're not overweight, here's what they do, then you, the, the norming starts to shift towards not being obese. And it's the same with vaccines. You're absolutely right, Tegan, we're same with vaccines. If, you, if the norm is to be vaccinated, then you will, much more, you will, be, you will tend to be vaccinated. The, the, there are very, very few people in the community who are anti-vaccination. That's a tiny, tiny minority. People are just hesitant. They've got good questions to be asking. Hopefully we're answering some of them on CoronaCast. And those concerns will eventually settle as we move forward. But it doesn't take much to raise the anxiety level. And something like the story of blood clots in Europe is one example. And it's just got to be sorted out. And it's got to be sorted out transparently. Well, Dr. Norming Swan, thank you for your insights as always. Uh, <laughs> you're welcome. Now, if you've got any questions to ask, go to abc.net.au slash coronacast. Click on Ask Your Question and mention Coronacast so we can pick it up and we'll answer them through the week, especially on Quick Fire Friday. But don't wait till Friday. We'll get to them as soon as we can. See you tomorrow. See you then.